You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron and I'll say this over and 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 over again. I have one goal. I freaking love this profession. It's a crazy, noble, cool profession. And there are so many cool rock stars. Today, I bring back, again, one of our young rock stars. This kid, I always say, the force is strong with you. Dr. Drew McDonald, what an amazing thinker. And he's a great guy, too. He's going to talk about, we have a conversation about, TMJ and airway-directed orthodontics. You have to check this out. I promise you, it'll change the way you think. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I am so pumped. Number one, thank you for joining. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm going to keep bringing the world's greatest rock stars in all of dentistry to improve your thinking, improve your practice, improve your life, improve everything. And today I've got a young rock star, Dr. Drew McDonald, who I just interviewed Dr. Jim McKee, who is a huge fan. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his and a longtime friend. And he called you and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to say hi and just say one of the most important orthodontists in the world. And you guys are, if you're listening, you're going to see Drew is is a great thinker. He's a great guy, awesome clinician. And how he thinks, I truly believe, is going to change the world. So, Drew, thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's always fun to be with you here, Kirk. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to say this program notes because I'm extra biased. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of yours and what you're doing. Um, and I shared this with you before we hit the go button. Like, how you think as an orthodontist and how you make your community better is game changing. Of all the courses we've done, there are two people that we consistently get asked, can I have that masterclass? It's Bill Robbins and Drew McDonald. And a lot of times it's from restorative dentists saying, this is amazing. Like I want my orthodontist to do this type of stuff or at least start thinking that way. And if you want to see the masterclass, you can email me directly at kirkadactdental.com and I'll give it to you for free. And you can see how Drew thinks and how he presents. Now, it's a 90-minute class with a 30-minute Q&A, 
and it will change your life about how you look at imaging and uh, orthodontics. And today we're going to go down that path a little bit, Drew. We're going to be talking about TMJ and airway-directed orthodontics, but let's start here. I want people to know who Drew McDowell Who are you, man? What do you do? Yeah, so I, I'm a, just your private practice orthodontist, and I practice in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, grew up, no family in dentistry at all. I honestly uh, thought that I was going to be an engineer. My dad was an engineer. My parents, you know, kind of no dental history in my family at all. And so for whatever reason, I got roped, or not for whatever reason, I, I, was, I had a severe underbite as a kid, um, basically bad mouth breather, terrible tongue tie, all the stuff I'm going to talk about today. But basically grew up and had to go to the orthodontist from the time I was seven until basically I was 31 and had to have jaw surgery. And so I, I was around the office whenever I was young. I liked my orthodontist a lot. I liked what they did. And I kind of liked just the environment of it along with dentistry. And so ultimately, whenever it came time to apply to dental school, um, I don't think I've told you this before, but I didn't get in the first time for any like pre-dental students listening. You have not and, told me that. Yeah, I didn't get in the first time. Come I, on, you're a genius. You couldn't get in? Yeah, nope, not me. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's competitive out there. And I know for anybody listening that's applying to school or applying to residency, if you want it, go after it. And if you don't get in the first time, do it again. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, it's this profession, it gives back to you in so many ways. And I know I'm off topic here, but you know, if you love it and you want it, get it because you can, and if it's about the work. It's not about how smart you are, it's about the work. Yeah. And I know you're throwing the, the genius word around, I'm no genius. <laughs> I just, I, I put my nose down, I do the work, and, and things come at, good things come after you put in the work, I should say, so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so I didn't get in, no. Well, That's I didn't a, know that. Long story. Yeah. I didn't know that. And you were what you're a heck of a baseball player too. Can you just share that story? That's probably why I didn't get in. <laughs> I was focused on some other things. Yeah. Yeah. So grew up playing baseball in Tucson, Arizona. Um, went to University of Arizona for uh, my first year of college, played under Andy Lopez, who is still one of the biggest influences on my life. Uh, amazing mentor, just the the best coach I could have had at that point in my life. And honestly, so much of the discipline and just the drive that I, that I have and what I do now came from what I learned there. Um, I also I transferred to University of New Mexico because even though I had a great coach there, I didn't play. <laughs> and so I played at University of New Mexico. Um, I was drafted out of high school by the Seattle Mariners. So it was I had a good career, but it was time to hang it up by, by the time I was done. Yeah. And then luckily I was able to bridge into the dental school side of things after I got in and then you know, I, I took that drive I had for baseball and put it into something else. And that's where I think things took off for me on the dental side. No question. And I've shared this with you. Like, um, the, you know, I, I want you to be home with your kids, but like, you know, and your family. But, you know, if you're looking for an amazing speaker who really can change an audience and how they think and inspire them, it's true. So um, and I, you know, I want you to go back to this. So. We're going to be talking about something super specific, and it is at the forefront of the conversation in dentistry right now. But how the heck did you get into this side of dentistry? So getting into dental school is one thing. Going through ortho is another thing. Now you're taking it that, like, what prompted you? Where was your, what was the motivation for this pivot in ortho and TMJ? Absolutely. The, um, so just a, a little history on my trajectory through practice is that I, I came out of school and I purchased a 
a moderate to large size orthodontic practice that had been going for 20 plus years here in Albuquerque. And, you know, with that comes a lot of patients that are in retention. They're, they're through treatment and, you know, then we get to see them. But usually when they come back to your office at that point, it's not for something good. It's because something's shifting. The, we're seeing relapse. They're having jaw joint issues or something is not staying, essentially. And so, you know, nothing against my predecessor at all. Dr. John Cornally was is he's retired now, but we worked together four years he was the man and he taught me so much in terms of, of what I do in terms of clinical orthodontics and, and a lot of what we're talking about today. But ultimately what you scratch your head at as a, an orthodontist are the ones that you can't explain why we did everything we thought was right orthodontically. We did the rubber bands, we did the braces, the teeth looked great. At the end of the treatment, the bite looked awesome. But then they come back in and stuff's not sticking. Right. And so for me, seeing enough of some of those cases and not having an answer, uh, mainly with regard to the joints where we say, oh, the joint's breaking down because it's idiopathic. That wasn't a good enough answer for me. And so essentially the, the weird rabbit hole that I went down is, you know, we start getting, I, I sought out, you know, Dr. Mark Piper, I sought out Jim McKee, that's how we met, is that I was tired of not having an answer for something that was commonly coming up in my orthodontic practice as to why patients were relapsing. And what we stumbled upon is, or what I feel I stumbled upon was that, you know, most orthodontic patients are there because they've got a joint issue, an airway issue, or a tongue issue, or, you know, minimal other things, but it's not just teeth. And there, we got to get to the bottom of why that patient's in our chair to understand how do we do treatment and how do we keep it stable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to the TMJ and airway directed treatment planning, that's where for me recognizing joint issues airway issues before you get into the case helps you navigate those those cases uh and and be successful and ultimately you also change the lives of your patients yeah i mean that's the biggest is i mean people come in with problems they don't even know about and i can't tell you how many patients that that you know we stumble upon their their sleep issues and they go oh my gosh you changed my life i sleep better i'm not snoring anymore and just the decisions based off of under the surface things you know, in our orthodontic treatment planning, really benefit their lives and have a health benefit and a teeth benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are one of the headliners at the Spear Summit. I mean, Spear Education has asked you to speak on this very thing, you know, TMJ and airway directed orthodontics. I want to start here. Like, um, as this topic grows, what's, what's most misunderstood what do what do people fundamentally get wrong before we start taking this apart yeah and in, in ortho school you know we we tend to cling to old research um that says that basically divorces us from both of the situations of airway and joints um, i go into this in my lecture but there's some pretty dogmatic thought patterns in orthodontic education that basically say you know we have nothing to do with joints and you know, a newer set of th you know, kind of research white paper that was done in 2018, 2019, basically cleared us of having, you know, everyone's mind, it said, we're cleared of having to worry about the airway. We don't make it better, we don't make it worse, why should we care, was kind of the, the consensus of a lot of that paper. Um, the, what the details were in both of those papers, on the airway side, it really did say, we're involved in this. We need to be screening as soon as we see kid, you know, kids, adults, anybody. We need to be at least screening for patients 
And then depending on your level of expertise in the field, if you feel comfortable doing some things that treat or better that based off of current research, then go for it. And, and basically that we do, we are involved in this. And so what I see every day is, the, I mean, what lands 90% of patients in my orthodontic chair is an underlying airway issue. Right. If they're a mouth breather, if they have poor tongue posture because they can't breathe through their nose, if they just you know have you know tongue thrusting patterns to breathe better, all that stuff, that teeth move and they get out of place. And so it looks like an ortho issue. Really, it's an airway issue that's that's bringing up the secondary problem with the teeth. Same thing with the joints. In in the nineteen eighties nineties, we had a lot of papers and things that were kind of looking to excuse our role as orthodontists from not causing, not affecting TMJ issues. Um, and that basically the consensus of one of the landmark papers was that, you know, orthodontic treatment doesn't cause or, you know, cause a higher risk of having joint issues or not based off of doing treatment or not. What I see and what I talk about the most is that these patients had joint issues that before they ever entered our chair. And basically if they if we don't recognize or know how to recognize a joint issue and diagnose it properly at the front end of treatment, then that makes the middle and end of treatment a nightmare if that patient starts having symptoms or if you start spinning your wheels with your orthodontic mechanics trying to correct a bite that's really uncorrectable with conventional things. Mm -hmm. So again, the joints, the joint issues, the airway issues, they're a huge part of our world and we have to recognize them before you get in on the case rather than after they become a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I want you, and um, when it comes to the actual foundation of it, like, let's talk about this. You're a big fan of the imaging side, you know? So talk about how imaging is so crucial to this conversation. Can you share yeah, that? Yeah, I, I love imaging. That's my that's my baby. I, I think that masterclass that I did last, that was like my, my ode to love of, of imaging. Um, Really, the the gist of how I even start how you, how you can diagnose the airway and the joint issues it's it all you know basically comes out of the imaging that you see with the patient. We've got to be doing CBCTs. We've got to be doing MRIs to be able to see the enemy under the surface. And so, you know, without a CBCT, how do you expect to visualize the airway? How do you expect to visualize you know deviated septums or turbinates? Um, how do you? I mean. It's how do you expect to see the joints and what's going on there at the hard tissue level? And then ultimately with an MRI, you know, you can't see soft tissues on a CBCT. You can't see inflammatory things on a CBCT. So if there's joint concerns with clicks, pops, you know, deviations of the jaw to one side, essentially we've, we've got to get to the surf or the bottom of that. And what we know through years of decades of research on the joints is that joint issues cause bite problems. Right. And that is the opposite of what you were taught in dental school, or sorry, ortho school, which is that uh, bite problems cause joint issues. So I think that that's the biggest mental leap that we all need to make as orthodontists is that, you know, under the surface issues cause the bite prob problems, you know, whether it be joints or airway and versus the opposite of what we were taught, which is that teeth problems cause it, you know, joint issues or airway issues, yeah. which is, you know, we got to flip our thinking here. Yeah, and I'm just going to point out a couple of things. Bill Robbins always mentions this, like one of the greatest partners you can ever have as a restorative dentist is an orthodontist. Like, And an orthodontist can make a huge impact on not only the patient, but the overall 
restorative outcomes that you're going to build and create for dentists. Now, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of stuff on the table. You help us unpackage. Another right. thing is 35 years of treatment planning was flipped on its head. Frank Spear himself said, you know, the four pillars of diagnosis, structure, function, biology, aesthetics. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to add a fifth, probably the most important pillar, which is airway. Now, I'm going to paraphrase. And he said, like, what good is it if we get all that right and they still can't breathe? Can you unpackage all that that I just threw at you? Yeah. No, that's 100% how I look at cases now is that, you know, I, I know it's easy in ortho, especially to focus on the, the, the teeth and the, you know, the teeth part and the aesthetics. That is 100%, you know, our world. We're good at it. Everyone who's an orthodontist knows how to move teeth. People who aren't orthodontists know how to move teeth, too. But essentially, if, if you land the plane in the wrong spot in regard to the airway and the joints, then basically what did we do? Like mm -hmm. you said, I, you, did we help that patient from a bigger standpoint than just having a nice cosmetic result? Or did we miss an opportunity to do more for that patient? And ultimately back to you know, the airway and the joints guiding decisions in orthodontics, you know, if we recognize the issues, we can do a lot orthodontically to help. You know, maxillary expansion is a huge thing that, or a huge part of our world orthodontically that we've known forever that helps with nasal breathing. All of our new technologies in, in ortho too have been allowing us to bring that to an, a, a new population of adults. Um, I joked with you before I got on here that I just placed an, a maxillary skeletal expander uh, in the office right before we got on the show. That's why my face is red. But ultimately, <laughs> Um, that, that was a 40 year old or female that now I would have never thought I could expand that, that person. And ultimately I've seen 64 year old patients in my office. I've seen, you know, all the way down to, you know, young adults that were doing that type of expansion and they come in into a T they're like, Oh my gosh, I can breathe through my nose now. Yeah. And it's this whole thing where, but ultimately the, what got me to do that was, you know, I saw under the surface, the CBCT showed we have constriction there. We're a narrow, narrow uh, nasal base. And can we affect that along with getting the teeth in place? Absolutely. But you have to see what's under the surface to say, do we want to tackle that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw one of my favorite Pete Dawson isms at you too. I just, I, I, you guys, I love this stuff so much. I'm like having total recall. I'm like, I, you know, sitting through the Dawson Academy courses, one of the things that Pete would just overwhelmingly make clear. It's like, we're going to get all this right, but you got to remember, we're going to manage forces. And the data shows patients are living longer now than ever. So no matter how beautiful or what kind of neighborhood or where you get the plan to lane right now, you're still going to have to manage forces over time. And that's where the TMJ, all these pieces come together. I consider you a master puzzle, puzzle builder. <laughs> But, you know, and uh, I'll throw Rouse at you, too. Like, so yeah. I interviewed Rouse. You guys can go back and listen. When he goes, listen, you got to be careful about your promises. A lot of times we're promising what we can do right now. I'm going to get you as close as I can. But there are external forces, managing forces that are going to impact the overall outcomes patients experience. Correct? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, the um, I, I always so back to that, and I Jeff Rouse is you know one of the biggest influences I've had on the airway side for sure. And I, I back to going into what you're taught in ortho school versus when you're out. I honestly, whenever I got out, I thought the airway stuff was kind of woo woo, right? Mm -hmm. Right, honestly, 
and the uh, because that's what you're told in school sometimes. And I'm not saying anything negative. I had a very progressive residency program, but that just wasn't part of our curriculum. And a lot of the prominent voices in orthodontics, at least on certain you know study groups and Facebook groups, are on the anti-airway train. And so anyway, so I went to Spear uh, because I have a study club here in uh, Albuquerque, and I went for whenever we had the big you know uh, auditorium classes. And Jeff Rouse was there, and I was like, okay, these people are here to hear the see here to see him, hear what he's talking about. Um, this, this, at least, you know, all the general, all the restorative dentists in my community are listening to this. I better be up on at least knowing what's going on here. And the more I heard from him, the more I dove into other research with Airway Side, the more I went to, you know, uh, the Breathe Institute and sought out their classes. I mean, all of this is just such the world of the orthodontic patient. It's mm-hmm. every, you know, you just can't unsee the truths that you see. And Jeff Rouse really brought me to that side of things for sure. And so, you know, I, I, I will say that there's so many mentors that have directed things, you know, airway wise, joint wise to where we are now. Um, and I don't remember your question. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I and I actually didn't even have a question. Yeah. I was just, you know, the importance of the TMJ airway conversation. Okay. So, you know, Pete would always say managing forces, like, you know, oh, yeah, the forces force. change yeah. over time. And so the orthodontic patient is a really important, and Bill Robbins would be like, my orthodontist is one of the most important people, you know, when it comes to thinking about how I make sure this dentistry lasts. So that was kind of like the first part of my thought. And I didn't even have a question. I was just curious as to your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I think to add on to that, it's managing expectations as, as it right. sounds like is also the underlying note of that. And so back to seeing what's going on with the patient underneath the surface we can start to have those conversations of if you tackle these things now, it will make this improve or it should make this improvement, but you have to stay on it. And then the patient has to own their issues and know that they have to also be managing things the rest of their life. You know, one simple fix today or one thing that they think is a simple fix is not going to correct things the rest of their life. I'll use an example. You know, whenever I do an MRI on a patient, I always tell them like, okay, you have a non-reducing, let's just say that, that the MRI shows that their disc is completely off, not protecting that joint. Basically, I, I start the conversation with, you have this going on right now, you have this amount of inflammation, at minimum, we need to be managing this. You could also be looking at resolving it. And that's where Dr. Mark Piper, now Brian Shaw, who took over his practice, and Ed Zivitz and others have really become masters of the joint type of surgical interventions. Again, Mark is the, the, the master who's inspired so many of these things, uh, and Brian is carrying it on. But regardless, you know, basically, the, the, uh, I, I talk about to the patient, like, if you don't do the ideal, now you're looking problem the rest of your life and everything to protect your joints, and they need to own that. And if they decide that one day they don't want to do it, then they're at high risk for relapse. They're at high risk for pain, problems, you know, other things coming up. Same thing with airway issues. You know, I stumble upon nasal air, nasal issues are the most common thing I think I see in orthodontics. And, you know, patients go, okay, I'll go see the ENT. And, you know, they didn't say it's surgical. So I I guess I don't need to do anything. Right. And I go, no, you still have an issue. And because they're telling you they don't want to do surgery, that doesn't mean you don't have to manage this the rest of your life. Right. And so having that conversation with the patient, 
you know, they, they clearly start to own their issue. And then they also start to take it on that they want to, you know, be in charge of it. And they know, you know, if I don't do these things, then I can expect, you know, that I'm not going to see the maximum benefit that we talked about. And so a lot of the times, again, you know, seeing under the surface with the imaging, it allows us to have those realistic conversations of what's to expect now and what to expect in the future for that patient. And, you know, tying it all back into orthodontics, you know, it also ties in how can we expect this result to be stable if you don't do these things? Right. You know, a lot of times if patients still have an underlying airway issue or a tongue issue at the end of treatment, we're going to see relapse because the same thing that got us in the, the, the problem in the first place is still present. Yeah. And no matter how well they were that retainer, you know, they're, they're probably going to have a tendency towards relapse that shouldn't be there. And we yeah. need to take care of the underlying. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really cool about you is you're super passionate about this. And when you're super passionate about it, you start to take steps. You find people that like come to help you. They come to seek you out. And so I think one of the young, the messages for young clinicians as you're trying to figure out your way is if something catches your fire, like it has with Drew, it's cool to watch how it works. Now, I just interviewed a, a dentist on the podcast recently, and he's really gotten into airway for children. He's like, it's crazy. Dr. Tim Harry, you guys can listen to it. He's like, it's like one mom comes in, she's looking for solutions. Then we help her with solutions. Well, she tells another mom and then another mom and another mom. And all these moms are like beating my door down now, like because when people need an answer, they're going to look for an expert. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, honestly, and, and Jim McKee talks about this all the time, but if you want to have a practice that sets you apart, that people seek you out for, and that ultimately you can be, you know, setting what you want to be paid for your time and your effort that, that is above, you know, what someone else has seen before, then you have to be better than just any, you know, the person down the street. Yeah. And ultimately, back to that, I, I have so many patients that are word of mouth that, have, that come to our office because exactly like Tim Harry said, you know, one one person we helped and then they spread the news. It's like it's the it is literally like even, you know, the televangelism or whatever at the end yeah. of it, like people are just become passionate about it. And it, there's a pocket of Albuquerque that I that's it's far away. It's like 40 minutes from my office. And I see so many patients from there because they just tell each other. Mm -hmm. And basically they're all looking for the same types of, of interventions and the same you know, type of looking at the case that's gonna do more for their kid or more for them as a patient uh, than just the straight teeth part. Yeah. Because again, the straight teeth part's easy. It's, it's looking at the big picture and trying to help the big picture is where we can make the biggest difference. Okay, so I wanna unearth one of the biggest elephants in the room and you can help us with this. Now, I'm just telling you guys, if you guys see Drew speak or you watch the masterclass, you're going to go, oh my goodness. And your first thought is nobody around me, like, I, you know how many conversations I have to have? And you're not in a huge metropolis. You're not in downtown Manhattan where it's easy to have these conversations. My first thought as a clinician, Drew, if I'm listening to you is like, no, how I'm going to need a myofunctional therapist. I'm going to need a restorative dentist to understand this. Your first thought is resistance to like creating, you know, your own group to support that. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, it's hard work. It's, um, you know, you, you have to build it and you, and you have to sometimes run through uh, a certain, I, I, I'm not saying anything negative, but I've gone through three uh, ear, nose and throat groups here in Albuquerque because, you know, at some point we 
I was sending patients for, for things that I was seeing on the imaging and it was a big problem in their life. Their parents agree and just we weren't seeing things the same and the ENTs were dismissing or whatever. So in regard to that, you know, there's a lot of work that you have to do to put these groups together, but you will find your people. And when you do, it's, it's good. And you can do a lot of things well together when that happens. And, but ultimately I think, like you said, the resistance comes from the work. And if you can put your head down and say, I'm going to take care of this. I, I care about my patients. Let's, you know, let's build this team. You'll find your people very quickly but you also might find not your people very quickly too. Yeah. Also too. Now everybody has a thought process on this as airway has come into dentistry. It now has camps. There's camps everywhere, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you hear all these thoughts. And so a couple of thoughts are, is there anything as such a patient that isn't an airway patient, you know, can you address airway without addressing the joint? You know, Jim has some opinions on that. What are your thoughts today? And, and your thoughts are your own, you know, like, and I always say this and I'll pass this along. If you're going to quote me, put a date next to it. Cause this is what I know today. What does Drew McDonald know today about this issue? Yeah. I know that we can't be in a camp and ignore all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, that is 100% how, you know, I, I know I've been to a lot of different CE and just, I, I love learning the new, the different perspectives or the pieces of the puzzle. Um, But I feel like sometimes in those different CE, it it becomes easy to go, well, that's it. That's the answer for all these patients. And then you go to a different one and go, oh, wow, that sounds amazing, too. And that sounds like that might be the answer. What I've come to see in orthodontics, especially, is that this is the hot garbage fire of all issues of, of dentistry, which is if somebody's in your ortho chair, they've got all of the above going on. And you it's our job to know how much of what is diving into this case. And basically, again, back to camps, back to just singular thinking, we have to look at it all and we have to be masters of it all. Because if, if we're missing one of the fires that's burning, it's still going to rear back up and cause issues for these patients. So, again, that's where the imaging side sets us free, because if you're able to visualize what's going on with your patient, if you're able to do sleep studies or, or CPC studies at home to see how they're sleeping, that's data. If we've got data on our patients showing imaging, sleep patterns, heart rates, and then MRIs on top of that, man, we can see through the dark. Yeah. And I know back to that, um, that, that masterclass I did, I themed it based off the matrix because literally once you can see these things, the world becomes easy, not easy, but it becomes so much more clear to see. Yeah. And you can see through walls, you can see every piece to these puzzles going on, but you have to know where to look. And so, again, it's not going to come from just one CE class. You have to start forming your matrix. But I think we're getting closer. And I think that there's a lot of thought processes looking at joints, airway, uh, myofunctional, all of the above together. And I think we're going to have much better, much better treatment decisions based off of that. Yeah. Once you see it, it's hard to unsee it. You know, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I think Jim called it night of living, living dead. You see them everywhere. You know, it's kind of like, yep, exactly. <laughs> I see airway patients and joint patients everywhere. So, um, I have so many other questions and I know, you know, I, I could keep you for two hours on this. Uh, t- I want you to talk about what you're presenting at the Spear summit. What are you going to be talking about? You know, if you've never been to Spear education and you're listening, like, what is it? What are you going to be talking about? How do I find it? Yeah. So in, in a nutshell, what I've described all day today or all, all podcasts today is 
you know, that the, the joints in the airway are extremely important for diagnosing and directing our treatment planning. What I'm really going to talk about at Spear Summit is when we should see this, because in our heads as dentists, and especially a lot of, you know, uh, restorative dentists that are listening, we think of the joint patient as a pain patient and an adult or a late teenager. Um, we think of the airway patient a lot of times as like that 300 pound dude in the chair that, that sleep apnea confirmed. What I'm talking about is seeing that at age four, at the airway, at the joints, how do we go about that? How do we address it? And then ultimately, what can we do based off of seeing those issues, incorporating the airway and the joints into the treatment plan? And how do we also, like I said, land the plane with the bite in the right place in regard to the airway and the joints? Yeah. So, you know, basically a lot of what I'm talking about today with lots of examples, a lot of MRIs, a lot of CBCTs, because that's what guides treatment. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking forward to that one so much. I, I wish I could be there. I'm, we're going to put a link down in the show notes to, to how you can get there and see this. And I'm going to highly encourage you to check it out. Now, I also had Jim on describing his study club. Now, I'm just going to say this. Like, Jim was one of my mentors. And as you were finding your way, you reached out to him. And now you guys have this study club together. What is it? How do you do it? And if you're a young dentist, notice the pattern here, go find mentors, create something special together. And now the learning is transformative. It's not just great learning. You actually develop great friendships. So what is, what's your study club? What do you guys do? Yeah. So Jim started the uh, Chicago study club. Um, and it's with myself, uh, Dr. Kurt Ringhopper, who's also in Chicago where Jim is, uh, Dr. Seth Atkins, who is in the Dallas area. And uh, again, there's me rounding out for the orthodontic side. Jim is a restorative dentist with a strong focus on joints. Kurt is also a restorative dentist with a strong focus on joints, but also brings a very uh, big airway perspective to things. And, you know, the other, the fun part of all this is that what Dr. Seth Atkins does is he, he does all this too, but man, he is a whiz with the 3D printing side of things. How do we make this happen with splints? How do we direct, you know, certain types of appliances? You know, he is a whiz with teaching. How do you actually make this happen in your office without having to do the lab work and making this all efficient and cost effective? And then there's just me doing my thing <laughs> and, you know, talking about the, the orthodontic side. But ultimately, I think that it's having the four of us and we do have guests uh, that, that join us. Um, you know, it's, it's a well-rounded you know, experience that basically we're talking about restorative dentistry, orthodontics and 3D printing and just the world to come of where we're trying to go from seeing the whole patient. Yeah. So it's, it's a great thing. We, we, right now we have um, a, a wait list kind of going on the new group that's going to be coming up. So hopefully we fill that, but we have a strong group of, you know, I think Jim probably shared how many we have already, but we had a really strong first group that we meet twice a year. We're adding a second group once the, the wait list fills, which it's almost full already. So that should be happening and we'll keep moving as much as we can. Yeah. So again, if you're listening and you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. So flip up to the notes on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. You're going to see a link to all of what Drew has shared and you can get on the waiting list. So, which I'm going to encourage you to do. You're going to speed up your learning and uh, it's just going to make your life better. So, and I'm going to encourage you, you guys check out uh, Drew's stuff. If you're ever, you know, at a conference and you know Drew's, just go check it out. Drew, I say it all the time, but you're changing the world, brother. Keep it up, man. 
No, thank you so much. This is always fun to be with you here and and, uh, and talk about all the fun stuff that we get to do. So thank yeah, you absolutely. again for having me on. Well, and as you evolve as an educator and the information, you know, we're on the cusp of one of the biggest conversations in all of dentistry, in the history of this great profession. I have no doubt that you're going to learn a lot, add some, you know, perspective to it. And I'm going to have you back again and again and again and again, and we'll just keep hanging out. So it'll be good stuff. So thanks for being on today, brother. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate it. Now, stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share with your friends. Uh, Keep sending suggestions of things you guys want to see. I get them all the time. I love it. I love it. I love it. We've got a great um, whole lineup coming into the fall of great speakers, great influencers, great thinkers. Uh, So I'd love to do this. And on this topic or any topic, orthodontic related, send it to us. I'll get Drew back on and we'll just dish the questions to Drew and have him answer. What do you think of that? So that'd be good (laughs) stuff. So, well, until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.